All right, well, people have been asking me for the last, since this class has been announced, are you qualified to teach this class? And I, um, I guess that depends on what your definition of qualified is. Um, yeah, I'm willing. I'm uh, eager to tell you what God's Word says. I uh, made my first million by the age of 23. So, no, I did not. I'm not rich. I, uh, we've been squeaking by by God's grace on a little bit, but you know what? He's been faithful to provide for us. And that's why I was so excited to teach this, really, because God, God is faithful. When we, uh, when, when we make Him Lord over our whole lives, including our finances and our possessions, He is really he's faithful. He provides for His children. And we're, you know, we're not guaranteed to get rich. We're not, you know, if we have enough faith, we're not going to get a Cadillac. It's not like that. But God will provide for our needs. And he gives us a lot of principles in his word um, for how to wisely handle our finances. And, and I would include our possessions, all of our possessions. That's all wealth. It's all what we have. And so 13 years ago, when Jane and I got married, um, we, we found some really solid teaching on finances. And, and it really changed our, our lives. A lot of it was new to us. Um, and so what I want to do is I just want to share those biblical principles. And a lot of you might know them, you know, but if there's anything new that we can benefit from, it's, it's worth it because this has really, really helped us. We've never made a lot of money. Um, we've, we've never made, you know, I, I don't know. The first year of marriage, marriage when, when Jane worked and I worked, we made the, the most, more than any other year after that. And um, but we've never been needy. We've not been rich, but we've never been needy. And you know, I think that God uh, has just set up the world to work in such a way when as when we when we submit our finances to Him and honor the principles in His Word, He, he lets you get a little more mileage on your tires. He you know things might not break that would have, or we don't know how we get by, but He has provided for us. And so, um, you know, if you're looking to get rich, I'm not qualified to teach this class. But I'm going to share what's helped us, and um, hopefully it'll be a blessing to you as well. And I, I always, you know, I'm always skeptical when someone says, this will change your life. But it really did. It really did change our, our lives. So, tonight, we are going to... Um, look at the big picture, and then over the next few weeks we'll zoom in and, and fly down and look at little detailed areas like debt and credit cards and saving for the future and some practical things. But tonight, I think for all of that to make sense, we've got to see the big, big picture. And if you can get this truth tonight, um, it really will change your life. This is, this is really important. This is the foundational principle for all of financial wisdom. I read in, in preparation for this, um, I was reading some different financial books, and you know, by the way, we need to get more in our bookstore. I think there's only Money, Possession, and Eternity there by Randy Alcorn, and, and maybe one more. But I'm going to order some more. Um, I really like Randy Alcorn's book, 
called Managing God's Money. And I really like Howard Dayton's books. Howard Dayton is co-founder of Crown Financial Ministries with Larry Burkett. So a lot of this stuff came from those books. And then a teaching we heard years ago from a man named Charles Stanley. And um, so I'm going to try to get some of those books in our bookstore for you guys. And I'll try to get some here you know, by next week or sometime during this class. Um, but, you know, a lot of people think that you, money and Bible teaching or, you know, church don't mix. A lot of people think you keep your, your theological beliefs over here and you keep your pocketbook over here, right? And if a preacher starts talking about money, he's gone to meddling, right? Get out of my business. But you know what? Uh, in those books that I was talking about, Randy Alcorn said, I think, 2,350 verses in the Bible have to do with money or possessions or wealth of some kind. And 10 to 15 percent, depend on, depending on who you talk to, of what Jesus said and taught had to do with money or finances. And, you know, he really did. If you think of all the parables, he really did talk about it a lot. So we're going to look at a lot of those in this class, too. But we're going to just try tonight to get started with the foundational principle and look at what God has to say, to say about this. Because we, we really want to, with anything in our lives, we want to ask, what does God have to say about this? So before we get started in that, I want to take five minutes. And it's not that this is not, does, does not have to do with money, but if you look at your handout, I want to tell you how to get the most out of this class. And really, you could apply this principle to any class or Bible study that anyone teaches. But look at your handout, how to get the most out of this class. In order to do, to do that, we've got to do Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, okay? So that's one of my favorite Bible passages. And let's just look at it. I put it on there. When, when I get to a blank, just, just say the word. And you might have a different translation memorized, but that's okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will make straight or direct your paths. That is a key to making any Bible class or Bible study work. So, if we're going to acknowledge Him in all of our ways, like it says on your handout, finances are included in all, right? There's nothing excluded from all of our ways. We've got to acknowledge Him. So, the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 challenge I'm laying out, heading into this class, is one, we've got to acknowledge Him by seeing what He says in His Word about money, right? I... I love that word acknowledge because it reminds me of being tuned in to like a radio frequency. You know, if you have a radio antenna and it's projected a certain way and you're tuned into this radio frequency, that's what's going to play over your radio. Well, we've got to have two antennas. We've got to have one antenna always up to God, like a prayerful attitude, acknowledging Him with our finances. Lord, what do you want me to do here? Praying. And we've got to have the other antenna plugged into His Word, acknowledging Him through His Word. Lord, what do you say in your Word about money and finances and how we handle them? So that's one key. Acknowledge Him. 
We've got to do that. And you guys are here to do that, so that's good. Number two, based on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we've got to evaluate ourselves. And we've got to do this humbly. We've got to evaluate or measure our own understanding. When it says, do not lean on your own understanding, we've got to measure our own understanding against what God says to see exactly where and how we need to change, right? I mean, isn't that just a basic principle in reading the Bible and renewing and transforming our mind? So we're reading the Bible, and we come across something that we thought it was the opposite. Well, who's right, us or God? God. He's always right. And so we've got to measure ourselves, and then that leads us to the third principle. Three, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust Him. We need to trust Him completely by making the hard changes. So, applying that to financial wisdom, you know, when we're thinking a certain way about how to handle our finances, we come to something in God's Word that says, well, that may not be right. We're acknowledging Him, we're measuring ourselves, and then we're making the hard change by trusting Him. Jesus' brother James said that if you say you trust Him, but there aren't any changes in your life, then that kind of faith is hollow. It's dead. And so we don't want to just say, yeah, I'm going to honor God with my finances. We want to see what He has to say, and then we want to make those changes. So if, if we do that with this class or with anything, really, then we're going we're gonna to please the Lord. We're going to prosper because we're, we're doing things His way and not our way. So... That's the initial Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 challenge. That's how we're going to get the most out of this class. And one of the ways we do that is prayer. So let's pray and ask Him to help us. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for, well, just that You are our God and that You have made us Your children by Jesus Christ coming to earth, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, we 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 just we thank you because without that we have no hope but lord if if you didn't spare your own son for us why would you not give us all these other things that we need for life and godliness so lord we pray that you would use tonight's teaching as a means of providing financial wisdom to your people lord lord i confess i am not qualified to teach this class but Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if I share principles from your word, Lord, then we will benefit from it. So that's what I intend to do. Help me to do that, Lord. Help me to uh, just hold off on my own opinions, but share your word. Pray, give us ears to hear, Lord, and help us to, to just listen to you, Lord. You are the source of all wisdom. And you're a father who gives good gifts. So give us wisdom, Lord, tonight. Give us instruction. Help us, Lord. Help, help people here in whatever circumstances or situation they're in, whether they have a lot or a little, to just get the right perspective tonight on, on uh, starting off on financial wisdom, Lord. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, like I said, tonight we're going to look at the foundation of financial wisdom. And that foundation has basically two layers is how I see it. And you have, you have them on your handout. The first two layers of financial wisdom that everything we're going to talk about in the future is built on 
is this. One, God owns it all. God owns it all. And that's big. That's really the one thing that you need to remember about tonight. God owns it all. All the money in your pocketbook, everything that you have at home, your car, your house, your clothes. He owns you. He owns us. He owns it all. And two, if God owns it all, then I'm just a manager. I'm a steward of God's possessions. That's why I like that book that Randy Alcorn wrote called Managing God's Money. That's, that's the right title. That's what we do. We manage God's money. So, those are the two principles. Let's look at them. I, uh, I read about John, it was either John or Charles Wesley. I think it was John Wesley. Whenever, he's an old-time preacher uh, from back in maybe the 1600s, 1700s. Anybody know? 1700s, maybe. He wrote some songs. Um, anyways, he he was riding his horse down the path one night, and this man came up to him very distraught. Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley, your house has burned to the ground. And, and I love what John Wesley said. He weighed the news for a moment. And he replied, no, the Lord's house has burned to the ground. That means one less responsibility for me. <laughs> now, that's kind of flippant, but John Wesley had the right attitude. The, it's the Lord's. It's, it's the Lord's house. It's not ours. And our God, as we know, is sovereign over all things. And He will provide for His people, but it's His stuff that we're taking care of. Look at these verses I listed on the handout. I put a blank there. If you know it, um, I'll give you the first couple, and then we'll see if you know some of the answers to, the, to these. You can just fill them in. The earth, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 24.1. And it doesn't get any clearer than that. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Does that exclude anything? No. How about Leviticus 25.23? The land is mine. So he gets even specific when he's putting his claim on things that he owns. Or Job 41.11. Who has, first given to me, who has first given to me, this is God talking, that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine, God says. Whatever's under heaven. Haggai 2.8. The what is mine? Do you know it? The silver is mine and the gold is mine. That was their money back then. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills and the creatures of the field are mine. This is God talking, guys. This is God claiming everything. Silver, gold, animals, cattle on a thousand hills. I heard a story one time where uh, this Christian... It, a, it was a Christian college. This was years ago. A Christian seminary, I think, was uh, praying. Or no, it was a family, maybe. I can't remember. I think it was a family praying for um, food or something. And they said, Lord, the cattle on a thousand hills are, are yours. Will you provide for us? 
And it wasn't long after that, I think it was like a day or maybe even that day, where this farmer came and brought them a whole bunch of beef. And, and Jane and I have a similar story. When we prayed that verse one time, and I think I share this at church, um, we had left our freezer open in the basement. We lost a ton of meat. You know how expensive meat is. Jane called me. I was here at the church, and um, she said, you know, it's, there's so much meat ruined. And we had a lot of venison in there because I hunt. Um, we had beef in there. We had fish in there. Anyways, it was all thawed out. We, it had been left open for days. It was ruined. And I said, well, let's, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Let's, let's pray. He can, he can provide. And we prayed. We prayed that very prayer. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Meat is this, you have all the meat we need. Can you somehow provide for us? Because we didn't have a lot of money at that time, and we still don't. But anyways... Um, it was within a half an hour the phone rang. And she had not told anyone else. And her mom called and said, I was a giant eagle this morning, and I, I just felt like I was going to buy you guys a whole bunch of meat. I got a lot of meat here. Can, can Bob stop over after work and pick it up? Now that's all God doing that. She didn't tell anyone. And it was, it was a lot of ground beef. It was a ton of meat that she bought for us. We put it in the freezer wasn't didn't replenish all of it, but wow, the Lord really provided that day. He can do that. And I think He wants us to trust Him for things like that more. But He makes it clear in these verses that it's all His. Psalm fifty ten through twelve, the last one. Every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. When we acknowledge God's ownership, then every spending decision becomes a spiritual decision. Every spending decision. That's how we have to see it, guys. God owns it all. So if we're going to spend money on something, we need to realize, hey, we're spending God's money. And we're going to see that the second point is, if, if that's the case, we're managers. We're just simply managers. But, but look how much further the Lord goes in His Word. I don't think I put this on your handout. You can jot it down. Deuteronomy 8.18. This tells us that God even gives us the ability to earn money. Deuteronomy 8.18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. If you have the ability to earn money, if, if God has given you a good job or provides for you in any way, shape, or form, it's Him that has given you that power. He's the one who gives us... He gives us all things. We don't get any good thing apart from Him. So He's given us the skills, the abilities. And then 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. I don't think I put this on there, but it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We, we don't even have our own body to claim for ourselves. So everything, including us, belongs to God. Now think about that. If, you know, if, you're, if you think, and maybe some of you think this, I... I I remember thinking this. Um, 10% of my money is God's to do with what He wants. And the rest is mine. 
I get 90%, God gets 10%. He has control over that 10%. And what if you applied that to that last verse? Like your, your body, your time. We're a living sacrifice, right? What if I said, God, okay, you get, I'm gonna, for 144 minutes a day, I'm not going to sin. I'm just going to do what you want me to do. The rest of the time is mine. That's not the way it works. We're gods. We are God's people. He is our Lord. And if Jesus Christ is our Lord, then our whole life is His. We're a living sacrifice. Shouldn't it be the same for our money? It's all His. He, he's got to be Lord over everything. Or He's not our Lord at all, really. Right? So, whatever it is, our body, our money, our time, our possessions, Jesus Christ is Lord over all that. He's the boss of the universe. And He's more than the boss of the universe. He owns it all. So it might be your name on your paycheck or your mortgage or your car title, but it's God's. We're just the manager. We're just the steward. We've got to, if we can grasp that truth, we'll be really really far ahead. Think about this. Just just picture yourself holding like your palms out, open open hands, and just picture everything that you own in your hands. Your car, your money, all of your toys, your entertainment, your home. Now, if we keep our hands open and say, "Lord, this is yours." to do with, and to lead me to do with as you please, then that's, that's showing ownership. That's showing God, God's ownership. But if we grip that stuff, if there's anything in there that we're going to close our hands over and grip and say, no, 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 that's not yours, Lord, then that's, that's bad. That's, he's not the Lord of that thing anymore. It kind of reminds me of like when I was a kid and, you know, I was... I had a toy that I didn't want my brother to have. It's mine. You know? That's not how the Lord wants us to see our possessions. And for the, for the kids, you know, Hebrews, I think it's 13 verse 16, tells us that one of the things that pleases God, kids and adults, is when we share our stuff. Sharing what we have is pleasing to God. So it's not only... It's not only, we're not only saying, Lord, this is yours, but if somebody needs something, we're going to talk about that in future classes, we're to, we're to share. We're not to withhold what we have. If we have something good, we're to share it. So we're going to look at that. But here's a quote that I found in Howard Dayton's book, um, Your Money Map, that I really like that kind of illustrates this principle that we're talking about. He said that when the Crusades were fought during the 12th century, the Crusaders purchased the services of mercenaries to fight for them. Because it was a religious war, the Crusaders insisted that the mercenaries be baptized before fighting. As they were being baptized, the soldiers would take their swords and hold them up out of the water to symbolize that Jesus Christ was not in control of their swords, that they retained the freedom to use their weapons in any way they wished. Many people today do a similar thing. They hold their wallet or purse up out of the water, an attitude that says, God, I yield control of my entire life to you except the area of money. I'm perfectly capable of handling that myself. And without realizing it, 
this kind of attitude hinders our relationship with God. It really, really does. Now listen, I, don't, I want to make it clear that if, if you're a child of God by trusting in Jesus Christ, there's nothing that can take that relationship away. Jesus, if Jesus died for our sins and we trust in Him, then we'll, we'll be His child. But there's a, there's a way the Bible makes very clear that we can hinder that fellowship with God. And we'll look at some of those verses. One, I don't think I have this on the handout, it's Luke 16, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 16, 10 and 11. If we get this wrong like the, like the mercenaries did and hold our wallet up out of the water, then we're, we're going to hinder our relationship with God. Luke 16 talks about this parable of a steward who was unfaithful with his master's money. And we're not going to look at the whole parable now. We will be looking at it in detail throughout the class. But just looking at verse 10 and 11, we're going to see a truth here. Verse 10 and 11, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, and the unrighteous wealth is just our world's money. He's, he's talking about like temporal money that we use in this world. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? Who will entrust you to the true riches? Now, those true riches that he's talking about are anything of eternal value. So it's our heavenly riches, like Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. But it's anything with eternal value that's, that's rich now, like our relationship with God. And he's saying that if we're not faithful in handling temporal things, the little things, that he, he's not, it's going to affect our relationship with God. Jesus said in John 15, that if we keep His commandments, we will abide in His love. If we keep, if you do this, then this will happen. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And if, it doesn't mean He's not going to love us if we don't keep His commandments. But you're not going to experience His love like you would if you don't keep them. And then He goes on and He says, and if you abide in my love, you will have fullness of joy. So one of the true riches that not being a faithful steward can affect is our joy. Our relationship with God and our joy. So it's very important that, we, that we're a faithful steward. The next verse in Luke 16 sums it up well. It says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So we see again, there's this direct link between how we view money. Are we, are we devoted to it? Are we more loyal to our finances than to God? And if so, it's going to affect our relationship. There's a link between our fellowship with the Lord and how we handle God's money. So any personal testimonies? I want to give you guys a chance to share too. Any personal experiences or uh, comments or questions about maybe how how you've experienced this in your life 
or how God has blessed you in certain ways with your finances or maybe a question on something we said, something that wasn't clear, one of the verses we talked about, anything at this point that that you wanted to talk about. What's the big, the first big layer of that foundation that we're setting tonight for financial wisdom? God owns it all, right? God owns it all. That's the first big layer. Susan? It does change everything. Yes. Tim? Yes. Yes. It, you know, and I didn't have this in the, the notes tonight, but Jesus said, um, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And it's backwards from how we think about it. It's It's not where our heart is, that's where our money goes. It's where our money goes, that shows where our heart really is. And if we say, Lord, this is all your money, well, that's just a heart that says, Jesus, you're Lord, and I'm letting go. I'm palms up. I'm not gripping it tightly. And that does make a difference. It really does. I'm so thankful that the Lord showed us that. Um, that's, that's why I wanted to teach this class. It, I, I don't want to waste anyone's time. It really does make a difference. Many of you know that. So, the second layer, the second course of blocks on that foundation that everything is going to be built on is if God is the owner, then I'm just the manager. He's made us a steward. The Bible uses different words. Steward, manager, It's basically a steward or a manager. It's someone who manages something that belongs to someone else. And that's what we really are if God owns it all. He's made us a manager. So we're still responsible for what we have. 1 Corinthians 4.2. It's on your handout. It says, It is required of stewards that they be found... Do you know? Faithful. Faithful. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Well, how do we know if we're a faithful steward? What do we need to be a faithful steward? What do we need to know? We need to know everything's God's. We do need to know that. But we need to know what to do, right? A faithful steward needs to know what he's required to do. If I hand you a complicated piece of machinery, and I say, I own this piece of machinery, I want you to run it, you're the steward of this machine, you're going to be like, well, how do I run it? It's so complicated. So you're going to have to look in the manual and figure out what to do with that machine. If you're going to be a faithful steward, if you're an unfaithful steward, you're just going to break it or try thinking your own way and and you're not going to do it right, right? So, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And we've got to look at what God says in His Word about handling money. That's, 
that acknowledging him part to figure out how to be a faithful steward. So it might be hitting you right now. I really haven't looked at what God has to say about money. I guess I haven't been a faithful steward. That's okay. That's why we are we have Jesus Christ to forgive us of all of our sins and help us and we can look in God's word and see and that's the objective throughout the rest of this class to see how to be a faithful steward. So Luke 16 again. Uh, there's a, a picture of this that Jesus talked about in Luke 16:1 and 2. He said, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager or a steward, depending on which translation you have. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. So this manager was being unfaithful. He wasn't a good steward. And he had to turn in his possessions, and he lost his job. And just like this manager, we can, we can be an unfaithful steward for various reasons. Now, one reason, uh, maybe this guy didn't know what God said, or what his master said. And so he just didn't do it right. And in the same way, like we just said, maybe we don't know what God says in His Word about handling finances, so we just didn't do it right. Or it could be that this guy who got fired knew what his master said, but he just didn't do what he said. Either way, he's an unfaithful steward. So we need to know what God says, and we need to do what God says. And when we do that, just... From, from personal experience, just a testimony to God's faithfulness, he will, he will really bless you. Now, I don't mean that you're going to get rich, but He's just going to, he's going to make things happen and you're going to be like, that was only God. Like the meat you know, in the, in the fridge when my mother-in-law called. It, it really builds your faith when He does like, stuff like that. And it's kind of like the tree by the water in Psalm 1. When we meditate on His law, day and night, when we look at His instruction, and when we do it, we're going to prosper like that tree. And God has just put that principle into place, and, and that's what He wants. I mean, it's just think about it in the simplest, common sense terms. If you walk in God's way, things are going to probably go a little better for you than if you're just going to do it your own way all the time, right? doesn't mean we're not going to have trials. doesn't mean things aren't going to happen to us. But He's going to be with us through those things. And we're going to experience His joy more than if we just do it our own way all the time. It's, it's a principle all throughout the Proverbs, the Psalms, and it carries over through the New Testament. So it's really important for managers to know what we've got to do. And I'm just going to end tonight by giving three key responsibilities of a faithful manager. Three key responsibilities of a faithful manager. Number one is be faithful with whatever you have, no matter how little. Be faithful with whatever you have, no matter how little. God wants us to be faithful regardless of how much we have. And Jesus told a parable to illustrate this. And... You know, let me just say in, in parenthesis about Jesus' parables. Jesus' parables, 
they, they are so full of meaning that you can, they have eternal value. They stretch, their meaning stretches out into eternity, but they also have temporal value for us. Jesus was the wisest man who ever lived. And so we can glean temporal wisdom for how to handle our money like we're doing right now out of his parables. And we're, we're not going to look at the fullness of his parables tonight. We're just going to focus in on how it's going to help us with our finances. But Jesus' parables are so loaded with meaning, we could look at them every day for the rest of the year and get something out of them. But this parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14, and 15, it, it shares this principle with us that we need to be faithful in whatever we have. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Now, when we look at verses 21 and 23, interestingly we see that the servant who had been given the two talents and the one who had been given the five talents received an identical reward. One had a little bit, one had more, but they received the identical reward. It says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. God rewards faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's, that's what God rewards. That Someone once said, The world applauds success but God applauds faithfulness. And that's true. He just wants us to be faithful to what He has said. And it, it's true whether you've got a million dollars in your bank account or whether you've only got ten dollars in your wallet. And that's what this parable is about. God wants us to be faithful with whatever we have, if we have a little bit or if we have a lot. And so, that's the first key principle a responsibility of a faithful manager. Be faithful with whatever you have. And you know, by the way, you might you might think, well, I don't have anything. You know, I I rent my house, my car is in the bank's name. I really don't own anything. Well, first of all, you you do have things. I mean, you you probably own your clothes that you're wearing, and you probably wash them and fold them and put them away and take care of them. Well, if you do that, you're being faithful with little. And God is very pleased with that. You, you probably uh, clean your floor and sweep it, and you're being faithful with little. You probably put gas in your car or whatever. In it, whatever you have. You might, only have. you might not have anything legitimately. You might seriously borrow everything. But you know what the Bible says, and I think it's in, it's in that same uh, passage in Luke 16.12, it says, if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Look, even if you don't own anything, and, and, and you're just borrowing, you're living off of other people's stuff, you're called to be faithful in that which is another's. And, and it says if you're not faithful in that, then do you expect God to give you something that's your own? Whatever it is. And that, come, that goes down to, uh, if you're working at an office and you're, you're just wasting resources, papers, pens, and you're just you don't care because they're not really yours. You're not being faithful in little. And and it's 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 another person's stuff, but we're called to be faithful with everything. We're supposed to take care of things that we borrow from people. So whatever we have, the point is whether we have a little bit 
or a lot, whether it's ours or other people's, God wants us to be faithful stewards of those possessions, whatever they are. And if we're not faithful in the use of that which is another's, why would He give us that which is our own? So it, it could be, this isn't always the case, but it could be that God hasn't entrusted us with more because we haven't been faithful with little. And that's just a principle there that Jesus said. It could be that. So we need to consider that. So we need to make a genuine effort. And I love that the Bible gives us hope. It says things like, do not despise the small beginnings. You know, God gives us hope to start now, wherever we're at. And by the way, listen, if you, if you really wanted to start being a faithful steward of things, um, it's wiser, it's, it's not wiser, it's easier to start when you have a little bit. So if you wanted to, say, start a filing system with your book library, are you going to say, well, I'm going to wait until I get 10,000 books and I'm going to start my filing system, or is it going to be easier for you to say, I'll start it at the first book I get. If I have one book right now, I'm going to start my filing system. You know, that's, don't be discouraged if you only have a little, because it's going to be easier for you to be a faithful steward of a little, and then God will entrust you with more. doesn't mean you're going to be rich, but He's going to, like the parable said, entrust you with more. So, Second principle uh, or responsibility of a of a good steward, a faithful steward, is is be faithful with a hundred percent, not just ten percent. Now we're going to talk in future classes about tithing and ten percent, and we're going to is that biblical? Is that good for us to do? Is it wise? We're going to talk about that. But like we said earlier, a lot of times Christians just think, okay, God, this is your ten percent, my ninety percent. No. If we're going to be a faithful steward, we're going to be faithful with all that God has entrusted us. Everything that He's entrusted us. Um, and, and like we said earlier about the steward who was unfaithful in the parable, he, he either didn't know what God said or he knew and didn't do it. And either way, there's trouble at the end of either of those roads because... Hosea 4.6, for example, says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. So, not knowing what God says is going to destroy us. Or, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. If, in other words, if we love money more than God, that's going to destroy us. He goes on to say, It is through this craving for money that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So, we need to be faithful with 100% of what God has entrusted us. And then the third uh, responsibility of a faithful steward is we need to remember who we serve. We serve God, not money. Would somebody read the verse there, Luke 16, 13? Audrey? Thanks, Audrey. Yeah, you know, we have got to be loyal, more loyal to God than our finances, than our financial desires. And 
this could work out in so many different ways, but I'm just going to end by telling you a, a personal example of how, how this principle worked out. The Lord let this happen in our life, and um, I'm glad I can use it for instruction. Uh, whenever I had a landscaping business a few years ago, I was having some problems with one of my mowers. And I took it to the local repair. I tried to fix it first, and I couldn't figure it out. I took it to the local repair shop, and I asked them to take a look, let me know what was wrong with it, and if it was going to cost a lot, you know, let, let me know how much it's going to be. Give me an estimate on it. So after a week or so, the guy told me that he had a good idea of what it was, and he said that it would probably be minimal, a couple hundred bucks. I said, okay, we'll go ahead and, and fix it. So anyways, to make a long story short, they had the mower for about a month and a half. And when I got my bill on December 22nd, by the way, just before Christmas, it was about ten times more than he said. It was $2,700. And I was mad. I was fuming because I had asked this guy to call me, let me know if anything's different. I tried to call him three, four, five times throughout this month and a half. No answer. And uh, I just wish he would have let me know that it was going to be that. And then when I got the bill, you know, like I said, it was due December 22nd, just before Christmas. So um, we we were pretty upset about that. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Jane. I wanted to just call this guy and say, hey, let's, let's, I'm coming out there and we're going to settle this. But Jane talked to me, said, let's pray about it. And um, through praying about it, you know, God reminded us, hey, this is not, this is not our money, first of all. It's, it's his. And um, that God was, Jane reminded me that God was more interested in our response to this man than the $2,700 that we were losing. And so we prayed about it some more, and um, this, this verse came to Jane's mind. The Lord brought this verse to Jane's mind. Proverbs 22.1, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. And so here's what we did. I called him up, and I you know, after praying, Lord, give me the fruit of the Spirit, patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control, um, I, I said, I just appealed to him to deduct some off of this because, you know, and I told him, we did try to call you and we did ask you to keep us updated. This was like ten times more than you said. And I was, I kindly asked him and he listened, but he didn't budge. So, uh, we just entrusted the whole situation to the Lord who judges justly. And considering the verse that the Lord showed Jane, we, we, we just paid the bill. We sent him the money. And we even put a Bible verse in the envelope. Not a, not a mean one like one of the Psalms that say God will bust your teeth out and all that. But, um, I, yeah, Christmas verse, yeah. And um, this guy uh, called us back a couple days later, and he was so thankful. He said how rare it was for anyone to be kind to him when they pay their bill. And I'm thinking, well, when you do stuff like that. But I didn't say that. Um, but you know what? He, he, didn't, he didn't budge even after that. He was just really thankful. And you know what? We were able to glorify the Lord's name more than money. We were able to be more loyal to the Lord than, than to money. 
and we really did receive a whole bunch of unexpected money that Christmas. It wasn't $2,700, but the Lord did provide for us. But even if he didn't, um, even if he didn't give us that money that we got for Christmas, you know, he owns it all. And I think sometimes he lets these little things like that happen just to build our faith in him, to stretch our faith, and to um, just to help us to see this stuff that we're talking about tonight. So we've always got to be more loyal to the owner than to that $2,700 that, that we were saving to put an addition on that we didn't get to put on. But that's okay because he had different plans and he owns it all. And he can provide that for us in a, in a second if he wanted to. Did I get that? Did I get that story right, Jane? Would I miss anything on that? Or yeah, he he is faithful. So a couple other verses just want to share tonight, and then we'll end. Acts seventeen twenty four and twenty five says this: The God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God gives us every good thing. It's from God. Here's another one, one more. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. You know, that's, that verse applies to so much of life, but we can apply it to our finances as well. We've got to believe that God exists and included in believing He exists is knowing who He is. He is the owner of it all. And He rewards those who diligently seek Him. And so, that's the two big, big principles that we've got to remember going in to the rest of this class. And even if this is all you hear, this really will change your perspective. God owns it all, and we're just the stewards. If we, if we can remember that and think through that lens with every purchase that we buy, with everything that we own, and we're a faithful steward, it's going to change things for us. So... We need to realize that. Let's, um, let's pray. And as we do, um, I'm, I'm going to just not pray for the first minute. And here's what I'd like you to do. Just personally, silently, um, if you haven't done this, I'd like to ask you to just transfer ownership of everything in your life to the Lord. Because Jesus is the Lord. And it's up to us to acknowledge that. So let's just... Silently bow, and I'm going to ask you to do that, just to transfer ownership of everything and realize that it's all His. So let's do that.